Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. People still are crediting Bill Belichick because he's obviously a legend and he's turning that team around in November and they're winning. They're still alive in the AFC East. Andy Reid, what is that face? You were, you were going great until you said the Belichick. Because he's not, you don't think he's a, a great, he's, he's not one of the better coaches in the league? No. He's, I mean, he's had Tom Brady. I mean, if you take away Tom Brady, do you know who he is? He's under 500. He's under 500. So you think... So you would take, what do you take away from him then after, after seeing what he's been like without Brady? Um, I think he's very blessed to have Tom Brady. And I think now that he doesn't have Tom Brady, he's like all the other coaches, all the other good coaches. The Marvin Lewis's, the Rex Ryan's. He's a necklace. I mean, I'm just being honest. People, they, they hate for you to be real about Belichick. I think he's a good coach, but all the greatest, and he, we, we've never seen anything like him. That's, that's bull crap. Vinny, Vinny Goodwill is here. <laughs> and I'm going to take a line from Kay Adams. What she said to LaShawn McCoy, I'm going to take that line and say it to you. What's that face, Vinny Goodwill? What is that? Because you, uh, you have a strong reaction. What's your reaction? I don't know how to say this or, or deal with this or address this with out my Detroit bias of the best coach in the franchise that I've watched history is being Wayne Fox and then somebody having the gall to fix their mouths and say that Bill Belichick is just a dude like Marvin Lewis, a guy who won, did he win one playoff game in like 13 years in Cincinnati? Was it, some, was it something along those lines or none? Yeah, I don't think he ever got one. Okay. Did he ever win one? He had a streak. I, I know he had a, he had an eight, did he? Did he? Because he had an eight game. He had an eight-game losing streak. I'm trying to say, I'm going to say they didn't. Remember, because last year, Cincinnati won under Zach Taylor. It was their first playoff win since the 90s. Okay, okay, okay. So, I'll take you. And now, it seemed like Marvin Lewis was there since the 90s. He wasn't. <laughs> but he was there for a long time. And, and they kept getting there. They kept getting there. They kept getting there. I was rooting for him. You know, Marvin Lewis, I'd like to see a brother do well. You always uh, got to root for the brother, man. Always got to root for the brother. Hey, and just it didn't do it. But yeah, Marvin Lewis. I, I love I love Kay's reaction too. When he said Marvin Lewis, she went, "Wow!" Oh. <laughs> it it should have been like that wow. that dog meme that was like, "All right," like that's what it <laughs> like. That is some that's some good shiny. You know, Crisco hate. That is some Jermaine yeah. Jackson on CNN. Drippy, Ooh. greasy hate. Ooh. Look, Ooh. you can you can say what you want about Bill Belichick not having Tom Brady. But we want to go into the whole Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback or whatever. But can you name yeah, the quarterbacks a- that Bill Bill Belichick actually had that wasn't Tom Brady? Like, like if you place him if you give him a top 10 quarterback, if you gave him a top 10 quarterback, now you gave him Joe Burrow, you gave him Justin Herbert, you gave him the back end of Aaron Rodgers, you gave him some level of reasonable quarterback, you don't think the New England Patriots would actually be atop the AFC East with all due respect to the Miami Dolphins and Tua and Jarvis, and, and I'm say Jarvis, and, uh, and the two speedsters that they got over there? Yeah. Like, uh, like, you gotta... Aim lower. That's all I would say for LaShawn McCoy. Just right. aim a little okay. bit lower. Don't throw rocks right. at that throne. Okay, tell me, because we've had we've had two examples, I'd say, this year. This, what, what a year this has been. And, and Gary Carter, we, we do the year in sports, uh, and I think this happened in 2022. we got to include LaShawn McCoy. This is November, so we'll have LaShawn McCoy hating on Bill Belichick in November. And, Vinny, one of your favorite topics at the beginning of the year, way back at the beginning of the year, we got to have Scottie Pippen hating on Michael Jordan. Okay, mm. why? 
Why, why would you say that on people... today, like today with all the tabloids? Why would you say Scottie Pippen's name? You are so messy. You are so okay. messy. But 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 I want to know. I want to know, Vincent. Like, why do we do this? Why why do some people? I shouldn't say we. Why do certain people do this? Where it, it's almost like, and, and we have extremes too. Because I I know what it's like when you when you're watching a great player and everybody says they're great. And you just get tired. Okay, they got great commercials, and they're always there at the at the number one spot at the podium, and everything works out well for them. There's a part of human nature that wants to knock them down. Like, I ain't that good. Oh, okay. Well, if it hadn't been for that one thing or that one thing, they wouldn't have won it. So there's that extreme of the hater. But then there are people who celebrate them all the time, which kind of activates the hater. The more celebration and more adulation they hear, the angrier they get. And they try to come up with excuses. I'm just wondering why this happens. Can I just tell LaShawn McCoy? Hey, hey, LaShawn. If you have the number one player, the number one quarterback in the history of football, and you take that player away, things change. No, you know, I usually don't cuss on the show. No shit. I mean, like, come on. Hey, you mean to tell me Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick wouldn't be the same without Tom Brady? No, look, here's my no, here's here's my thing. I think here's my thing. You replaced Tom Brady for all those years with a Peyton Manning, with a Aaron Rodgers, with someone of reasonable talent and decision making you're probably winning seven Super Bowls, right? No way. Or six or whatever it was. No. 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 I don't think so. I think because I don't want to No, because I I really want to give I want to give the proper respect to both parties. I want to get a and and all the people who were in between them and behind them. Uh, You know, Belichick was the right man for the job at the right time drafted Brady. Brady was the right man at the right time. A lot of people can't deal with Belichick. Belichick's hard to play for. He'll grade on you. He'll wear you down. And, and after a while, now it didn't it didn't get to Tom Brady until he was in his 40s, Vinny. Some people, uh, Aaron Rodgers ain't trying to hear Bill Belichick say, you're the worst effing quarterback in the league after an MVP season. He ain't trying to hit, you know, he ain't trying to be called out in front of the team when he throws a pick and they're 11 and one, it's a, it's a special kind of guy. You, you don't know about, you, you, you don't know about the social conditioning. Like you're looking at Aaron Rodgers as a finished product with the conditions that he operated in. You're looking at Peyton Manning as a finished product. Had they been ingratiated into that product from the beginning of their careers, who knows how they would have assimilated. But your point is taken. My thing with LaShawn McCoy is, He's looking at Bill Belichick, who's like, you know, let's just say the Michael Jordan of coaching. He didn't call him Clyde Drexler. He called him Harold Miner. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the disrespect. <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't go, you didn't go and say John Harbaugh. You didn't go and say yeah. Mike Tomlin. Oh, he'd be just another good coach of Mike Tomlin. You know, really good coach. John Harbaugh, really good coach. You know what I mean? You didn't go say that. You went off and said, Rex Ryan, who's you know, when he fired from like two jobs, did he ever get to a Super yeah. Bowl? Like, no, that level of hate. If you want to say Belichick isn't as great as Tom Brady is great, okay, personal opinion. I don't really parse Bill Walsh from Joe Montana. I don't thank truly you for saying, parse Ooh, Jimmy say Johnson that again. from Troy Aikman. That say it again. I don't, I don't truly yes. parse that. But that's yes. some that is some like I said, that is some that is some greasy Crisco, Jermaine, Jackson, shiny ass hate. Hey. <laughs> Jermaine Jackson. But I want to know why because this happens a lot, believe it or not, it happens a lot in Boston. It happens a lot in New England, where I know Tom mm. Brady left. So it's mm. a lot of well, who was it? Was it Brady or was it Belichick? And now when Brady won. After he left New England, on a, and, and, on uh, a stacked Patriots, team, on a stacked yeah, and team, and the Patriots 
are life and death. They're, you know, trying to just trying to make the playoffs and that'd be an accomplishment. Like, well, Bill Belichick has been exposed because he, you know, look what he is without Tom Brady. And I just wonder, like, does anybody else do this? I don't think they do. I don't think anybody, I don't think San Antonio right now, post Tim Duncan, post David Robinson and all their championships, look at Popovich and be like, you know what? You wasn't nothing. You wasn't nothing. That was Tim Duncan. That was David Robinson. I think people I think people do that to Phil Jackson. I do do think oh, that people you I know, know who did that to Phil Jackson. Uh, you know who started doing that to Phil Jackson? And I'm gonna say rest in power. But I know what your agenda was. First guy who started doing it, Red Auerbach. I was around Red Auerbach used to do it. You know what his agenda was? Hey, Phil was coming. Phil mm-hmm. was coming. Now he had the record. Red had the record. So Red had to say, well, you know, I was more of an architect. I was a team builder. And, you know, hey, hey, Phil's just chasing. He's chasing talent. Well, Red, you did too. <laughs> you did too. You, you were able to hold on to talent longer because there was no free agency back in the day. You can just oh, hold no, on oh, to I got, can, I got one. I got one currently for you. I definitely have one currently for you. You ready for this one? I think it's asinine, yeah. but I've heard this. Is it Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes? I've definitely heard that. And you know that you have. That yeah. is ridiculous. People find what, you know, it, it can't just be what we see. It has to be. It Help has me. To, it, why? There's Why can't it be analogy. okay? There's another analogy yeah. I want to use. Let's hear man, it. I can't. Yeah, nope, you can use nope, it. Nope, nope, nope. I will tell you during the break because you will laugh and you will say, "Good okay. thing I did not do it." Trust me, you will laugh though. Gary Carter will really okay. laugh, but absolutely, the control room will definitely laugh as long as they're not in their feelings. But hmm. yeah, it, it you won't see it coming, but you will think. That's a, it will be a tongue twister. I'll just say that. It will be a tongue twister. But you hear that with, is it Patrick Mahomes and his otherworldly talent? Or is it Andy Reid and Andy Reid's system? And look at what he did with all those other quarterbacks. And now he's got Patrick Mahomes. Could he do this? You, you, you definitely, you've definitely heard that. What I'm a little yeah, bit yeah, shocked I have. about is and... somebody like Shady McCoy, who's played for different types of head coaches, instead of him wishing hey, man, I wish I played for a guy like that. He could have really utilized me. He's over there doubling down on the hateration and the holleration. I'm, uh, that's the part that's got me. Yeah, but there's some guys like that. You know, Vinny, there's some guys, and I think, uh, so there, there are two things at play. I'm just guessing. There are two things at play. One, it, from a player angle, and I can understand it if this is his position. Now, Bill okay. Belichick has never come out and said this. He has never come out and said, well, it's not the players, it's me. He's never said that. Now, some people feel, some people believe that he believes that, that he can win with anybody. And so if you're an athlete and you put the work in and you've been out there, you've taken the hits, you've been in all those car crashes and Bill Belichick is just standing over there <laughs> with his arms folded and never smiling and he's getting all the credit for his beautiful brain, you can be like, wait a minute. I'm bashing my brains out and this dude who just kind of draws up plans and then has me go out there. I'm the soldier. He has me going out there. Why is he getting credit? So there's some athletes who really resent uh, a cerebral coach getting credit for stuff that they have produced. And if he's coming from, I got that, another he's coming from that angle, I, I got another I one for you. I, I, got, I, got, I got another football one for you. All right, let's hear it. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Oh, that's 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 active. Because Russ does, that's right. active Russ right does, now. Russ doesn't look good now. Geno Smith looks yep. really really good. And you know, back then that first Super Bowl, you had Russell Wilson on that rookie contract. You had the Legion of Boom, and basically everybody was trying to act like we could have done that with any old body back there. And I'm like, nah, not really. Because I remember that next year where Russell Wilson brought them back from a 20 to nothing deficit against Green Bay. Granted, that onside kick and bad coaching for Mike McCarthy and, you know, all that stuff. But they, they only made one of those back then. And Russell Wilson isn't what he was, 
And I think that gives people the license to sort of, lack of a better phrase, yeah. you know, crap on, you know, what he did in the past. But I definitely think, yeah, that, that beef is real. That's like Dr. Dre and Suge Knight type of beef. You know what I mean? Is it is that my, you know, is it is it your beats or is it my money and my muscle? You know what right. I mean? Like that sort of thing. So, yeah, I can't believe we're using a Suge Knight, Dr. Dre comparison when talking no, about can. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But, hey, it. we rock with I it. believe it. You probably and and I know there's another one, and I know you got another one coming. I know you do. I do have. Another, I do have. That was gonna be really good. Trust me. Here's my other option. So the athlete doesn't want the coach to get the credit. I got another one for you. Okay. And it's a it's a type. It's a personality. So we think we're talking about sports, but when somebody gives an opinion like that, they're not just giving it a sports opinion. They're giving a worldview opinion. They're projecting what I would do or what I think. And there are some people out there who think that there's this magical thing that they can do like they're in charge of it. So it's, it's not, it's not a uh, collaborative. It's not, Hey, you, there were some building blocks in place before I came over, before I took over as manager, before I took over as coach, before I got to the situation, there were some good things here and I just happened to come in at the right time and made it better. No, no, no. What they're suggesting is, there's just this magical person who is mm -hmm. capable of going into any situation and just by dint of their genius and their hard work, they can make it better. And so that's what LaShawn McCoy is saying that what he's saying about Bill Belichick, you can say about every championship coach ever. There's not a single championship coach, not a single one, not your favorite coach who is a multiple champion who has done it on his own. Nobody. Well, nobody does it on their own, regardless. Nobody. nobody. So what the hell is he talking about? Well, hey, we why are we saying, hey, Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? That's right. Yeah, he is blessed. The smartest thing he said was he's blessed to have Tom Brady. Yes, he was. And and was because Tom, was Tom, Tom Brady not Brady, blessed, was Tom Brady not blessed to have Bill Belichick? To be drafted. If I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, you correct me if I'm wrong. Those first two Patriots Super Bowls, the win against the Rams, the win yeah. against uh, Carolina and, and Jake DeLone. Yeah. That wasn't Tom Brady at full apex. That felt like well, Carolina was. defense. That felt like Carol that felt like a really good Tom Carolina, Brady. Carolina, he game. was doing that thing. No, no. That felt like a really good but Tom Brady. But oh one, you're game. right, no one. But it did not it, but it did it did not feel like Tom Brady at maximum. That's what it felt like by Philly. By that Philly Super Bowl, that oh, yeah, was yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah. But I felt like those first two was definitely the defense and Tom Brady making enough plays down the stretch and being able to take over, not him taking over because that's what you expect from him. There, I, I, I will say this. In those first, like, oh, they won back to the last team to win back-to-back championships. In those years, regular season, 28 and four combined. Those two years, 28 and four. You know what they had both years? Number one defense football. Mm -hmm. Number one deep. So to your point, it's not just Tom Brady. It was a lot of things going on. But yeah, most most coaches who win championships, if they got any brains, they said, "Damn, I wouldn't be here if it if if not for insert great player, if not for Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. if not for Shaq mm -hmm. and Kobe, if not for LeBron, if not for Peyton Manning." Tom Brady, I wouldn't be in this situation. And McCoy, last thing I'll say on him is, he was like, oh, that's bullcrap to say we never seen this before. Hey, LaShawn, have you ever seen a coach win six Super Bowls? Not never. Coach? You haven't. So we haven't seen it before. So people don't hate that you're talking about Belichick. They hate that you're inaccurate. Anyway, I'm a, I'm a, I want the music to play right now, not because the music necessarily needs to play, but I need to hear what you are about to say. And then we're going to hear from Tom Haberstroh. Tom Haberstroh is coming up, but you got some stuff. I do. I I'll do. Wait. I do. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I do. All right, Kevin Durant. Uh, he has talked. He has talked to our friend Chris Haynes. Uh, he's talked about his trade request, his coaching frustrations, and much, much more. And uh, that is right on time, fellas. Uh, Vinny Goodwill and Tom Haberstroh was right on time because last night uh, I saw something that I, that is not usual in a regular season game, like a re- not regular season, regulation game. Brooklyn Nets gave up 153 points in regulation. Like, what the hell? And I was just to about to say, Tom, Tom, I was just, yes, to the Kings, who were playing well. Okay, I'll give it to them. But I was just about to say, man, Brooklyn is playing so hard. They're playing well for Jacques Vaughn. You ain't playing hard if you give up 153 points in regulation. What's going on uh, with Brooklyn? Tom and then Vinny, talk to me about this. I just want to hear y'all talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Man, I feel so bad for Chris Haynes because I know as a reporter, this kind of happens where you're like, you get in touch with a player, get in touch with a coach. You're like, I'm in town. Let's meet up after the game. Let's sit down for an interview and let's just get this all on the record. Let's do it. And the player, the coach or whoever it is agrees to it. And then you go up and give out, give up 153 points to the Sacramento Kings. And you're like, oh my, this player, this coach is going to be in the worst mood, but it's my only shot. And Kevin Durant, he seemed completely honest in this, in the, and candid in this conversation with Chris Haynes. And he said, yeah, we lost, but I'm feeling good about the team, feeling good about the direction that Jacques Vaughn is going in, all that. But I don't know if you guys caught the Dave Chappelle SNL stand of course this past weekend of course but you remember he said there's a difference between things you you can think and things you can say out loud and kevin durant said the thing you cannot say out loud which is look at my starting lineup yeah edmund sumner look at my teammates look at my teammates you expect me to win what do you expect like Kevin Durant's absolutely right. He's absolutely correct. When you have a starting lineup that features those players, we can't expect them to win without Kevin Durant in uniform. And that's what he said. But this is the sort of thing that can rip up a locker room if they're not expecting it. If they don't know that's how you feel, this sort of thing can rip up a locker room. And to be honest, that locker room doesn't have much to rip up in the first place, considering what has transpired over the last couple of years. So if you're those teammates... Looking at this this report, looking at that quote, you got to be feeling a certain way. But he's right. And that's the thing about this team is that every day there seems to be another headline, another quip, another uh, moment on the court, another report that just has me thinking, man, this is the biggest soap opera. And I thought the Lakers could never be dethroned as the biggest soap opera in the NBA. But here we are. Well, Well, see, I tend to disagree a little bit because he said, look at the starting five. And you know two names he didn't say? He didn't mention their backup center or their starting point guard or their other starting point guard who's suspended. So if you're on a top-heavy team and you're missing two players who make a combined, you know, 70-something million dollars, the person you're going to put it on is the person making $40 million in Kevin Durant. I don't think he was bashing on the players that he has. He was telling the truth, but he was also saying, hey, this is why I didn't want to be here. Because even though Kyrie Irving is my boy, even though we traded James Harden for Ben Simmons, look around, y'all. In addition to the front office, in addition to the coaching staff, I'm going to throw this out to both of y'all, and y'all tell me what you think. Okay. Kevin Durant, because of the personnel moves, the perceived personnel moves, people believe Kevin Durant wanted, you know, easy. Go easy on me. You know, give me everything I want. What I heard was, yeah, give me what I want, but hold me to higher expectations. Hold, coach me. Great players usually want to be coached. 
And I feel like that's, that's been right. a miscalculation from the Brooklyn Nets. They took the front office strategy. They took Kevin Durant, the GM, and made him Kevin Durant, the player. And those are two totally different separate entities. And yeah. I think that's been their biggest mistake as far as dealing with him and him wanting to get up out of there, which I think he still does want to get up out of there, especially when you name that starting five. Well, it's, it's a great point. Uh, Tom, do you think that um, one, do you think there's a chance that Durant can be traded, say, by February? And and two, I'm going to double barrel you. I know this is anti Sawatsky. Don't ask two questions. Ask one. But I'm going to ask two. So one, will he be traded by February? Two, you think the Nets have handled him properly? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, I mean, when you're, when you're talking about Kevin Durant and the situation he left and the structure that he left in Golden State. My problem with his stance is that he wants harder coaching, that he wants more structure, that he wants practices. It does seem like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't run away from the Golden State Warriors and being part of a system and being part of a culture and being part of Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson and go build your own culture. Kenny Atkinson gone. The whole entire culture of the Brooklyn Nets gone. You got saddling up with Kyrie Irving, and now you're saying, I want to be coached harder. I want more of a system. I want more people pressuring me and holding me accountable. And that's where I have a problem with it, where it's like, man, it seems like no matter where the situation is, he's not happy with the coach or happy with the situation or his teammates. And so I don't know what team is going to be able, be able to make him happy as a basketball player because – it seems like he went from one extreme to the other. And it doesn't seem like he knows exactly what he wants because Steve Nash was portrayed as a Kevin Durant hire, that it was Kevin Durant who wanted someone from that organization, the Warriors organization that he had experience with and wanted Steve Nash. And then it turns out, I actually want someone who coaches me harder. So take that to the next extension, which is like, okay, where would he be happy? Where would he be wanting to play? And I'm sure Kevin Durant can walk into Sean Marks's office right now and say, here are the teams that I want to go to. I don't know who that, that team is. I really don't. I'm looking. I mean, we talked about it last week, the Philadelphia 76ers as a possible landing spot for, for the Philadelphia 76ers. They have their own coaching situation um, at hand as well that, that are their issues. So I do think that without Ime Odoka being hired, that t- to me sends a signal that this is not a long-term strategy, that this KD Kyrie partnership and the whole thing is a short-term thing. And if Kevin Durant wanted Ime Udoka and he didn't get Ime Udoka, then that sends a signal to Kevin Durant too, which is, man, this might not be a long-term partnership. So I do expect that they will try to make moves with Kevin Durant, but I don't know if they'll ever come to that, that, that right team because the package and the unhappiness of like, we got to fulfill all his wish list in order to get him a trading partner. I just don't see that happening between now and February. I, I think two things can be true. I think Kevin Durant could go from one extreme to the next, and we've all been through it. Sometimes you miss what you think you didn't really like, right? Or you wish you had it under different circumstances. And secondly, I think Kevin Durant wants to be held accountable on the floor, not off of it. I think he doesn't want to be asked questions about why couldn't you get Kyrie to take the vaccine, but still be viewed as a leader within the locker room and still be viewed as a leader on the floor. It sounds inconsistent, but when you look at it from a, you know, when you silo it from a basketball perspective, and he's a basketball purist, I think he wants to be held accountable in that particular 94 by 94 by 55, you know, surface, not necessarily the drama and everything else. And when you look at when he goes on Twitter and he talks about things, he's a a technical basketball savant. And then he just sort of happens to dabble in the drama. You can want the reverse and just not get it. You can want the reverse and be wholly inconsistent or be consistently inconsistent as Kevin Durant appears to be. I ain't never had an ex-girlfriend that y'all thought was a little bit crazy and then was like, man, she wasn't so crazy. Or she was crazy. Man, I liked her calling every day. You know what I mean? <laughs> he this is this is this is what he wants. Vinny, uh Vinny, I didn't ha- I didn't have any ex-girlfriends. My wife is my first girlfriend. 
So first oh, oh my god. There we go. You know, so just I just want to let you let's just great for the answer. record. For the record. Great answer. Okay. Excellent. All right. Answer. Excellent. Okay. Answer. Okay, Vinny. Okay, Tom. Yeah. What that he's the t- he's the Tim Duncan of, of of husbands, man. The first the first team that that hired that brought him into the league. He's he's for life. There's they don't Very I'm gonna go old school. My everything. I'm gonna go old school on you. I'm the I'm the I'm the AC Green of this thing. <laughs> <Y'all>, <laughs> hey, okay. <laughs> I don't know. If that means the same thing as uh, the metaphor you're making, but yeah. All right. Oh my goodness! Uh, How I many kids you got, hey, Michael Holly? I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it. <laughs> no, no. Before, before. I'm saying before, before. Um. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about players. <laughs> let's talk about basketball <laughs> players. Uh, all this said, it, at the beginning of the year, Kevin Durant probably, because Vinny, I want to get to item you had in your feed, and I, I want you to expound on it, and I want Tom to weigh in on it. At the beginning of the year, we had our top you know, 10 list, top five list. I don't know if John Morant was in your top five. I don't know if Jason Tatum was in your top five. But Vinny, Morant, is, is there anything you've seen from Morant that makes you say, oh, wait a minute. Got to go up a little bit more. I know I knew he was good. I knew he was great, but maybe the greatness has exceeded my expectations. It absolutely has exceeded my expectations. You you almost look at him as a hybrid of uh, maybe a Derrick Rose and the Allen Iverson and a Russell Westbrook, but he plays the game seemingly better. And I'm not saying he's a better player, but I think he plays the game better. He has a better feel for it. He has a better feel for, you know, when to take over, when to score in spurts, when to use that athleticism. Like, don't get me wrong. Some of the hits that he takes and everything else, and you're looking at it, you're like, man, we don't know how long he's going to play. But it seems like he has a much better feel for the pace and control of the game and when to exert his will on the game, even than those guys did. To me, Vinny, the big thing I'm seeing this year from John Morant is the thing we keep talking about with Giannis, right? What if this dude adds a three-point shot? And that is what you're seeing from John Morant this year. He's raised his three-point percentage all the way up to 40%. He's taken five a game. And that's what every coach in the league is just – that keeps him up at night is how do you defend a guy who is Russell Westbrook attacking at the rim, Derrick Rose, like you said – but can also pull up to a three-pointer off the dribble and shoot from downtown. And so we have this conversation every year with Joel Embiid or with Jokic or with uh, Giannis and a couple of bigs, but this dude attacks the rim like he's a big and he has a three-point shot. He's way better than I expected in terms of his jump shot ability. That was his big issue coming out of college was, okay, mm-hmm. we know he can get to the rim and he can fly, but can he add those um, nuances to his game that he can be more perimeter oriented and he's showing it this year. So, I mean, look, he's averaging like 29 points a game this year, which seems like a lot, but I don't know if you've seen the scoring totals this year, Darius Garland with 50 plus, there are eight players in the NBA that are averaging 30 a game. Like John Morant, as good as he is, I'm just sitting here like, man, there's eight dudes scoring at a higher clip in the NBA than John Morant at 29. That used to be good enough to be a scoring title. And so he is adding a three-point shot. He is averaging about 30 points a game. And it's just, man, what Luca's doing, what all these guys are doing, it just seems like they're all raising their level of offense. And it's it's an amazing thing to watch on a nightly basis. And Jaws just, he's special. But if he gets that three-point shot, man, the Memphis Grizzlies take another leap. So, so fellas, can, can we go from elevated expectations to lowered expectations, lowered to so to, to such a degree that we're out of the NBA and into the G League? Now, I know. Look, Golden State, I'm going to say this. Golden State, and you guys know this better than I do right now because you have been there more recently than I have. But they have elite media relations people. Elite like maybe the best in the league. They're incredible. Uh, they have a media savvy organization. Steve Kerr used to work in media. Bob Myers used to be an agent. Like they just know how to frame a thing. So I'm going to tell you, I, I, that's a compliment, but I ain't buying it. They have framed this James Wiseman thing like, oh, this is great. The number two pick in the draft is going to the G League, the C-dubs. You going to the C-dubs, James Wiseman? And I'm supposed to say, 
This is good for you. You're gonna get some playing time in the G League. And you're there indefinitely. Help help me out here. They have framed this thing in, in such a positive way. I think it's not good. Tell me why it is good. It's not it's not good, but look, man, the way that they can spin this is exactly the way that they spun it to Jordan Poole. You gotta play every day. You haven't figured out the NBA game. We need to get you some reps. And Jordan Poole did it. And he became six man of the year, making a hundred million dollars in the league. So as much as I want to say this to spin that you can't spin it any other way than they're sending the top three pick down to the G League because he's just he just can't play. There is a precedent for this. Um, you know, you look at Jordan Poole, there are a bunch of players, Pascal Siakam, there are a bunch of players in the league that have gone down to the minors, so to speak, and come back and become a totally different player. My issue with James Wiseman is, all right, so let's say he becomes this, you know, 20 and 10 monster in the G League, but he's still not playing like Golden State Warriors brand of basketball, and he still can't be out there at the league and play the kind of basketball that he wants. It's two different things. That's my concern is that he can go and build up his confidence down there. But when I see him play basketball, James Wiseman this season, I mean, he has four blocks in the entire year. Four. He, he He's seven feet as bigger than anybody on the floor, but he's as soft as they come in terms of making his presence felt. So I don't know how they're going to get that James Wiseman back from high school. James Wiseman, the guy who played, I guess, three games at Memphis how they get that James Wiseman back. But this is a press. There is a precedent here, Holly, that they did it with Jordan Poole so they can lean on that. Jordan Poole said all the right things. He's like, I want you to hang it on the rim. I want you to get text down there. I want you to get your, your swag back. And we'll see if that actually translates to on-court success. Cause I think he's better off doing this in another organization than it is in Golden State. I just don't think he has the, uh, the oxygen to do it on that team. I, I tend to agree. Kind of. And here's what I mean. If you're talking about high school being the, the last like vestige of a dominant James Wiseman, that means he hasn't played a lot of basketball since then. He needs to get in the mode of playing basketball every day and being able to be a dominant force every day, even if that's just practice. Because remember, nobody practices in the NBA anymore, right? Like, like there is no space for him to go against another body bump and bang and do all these other things and to feel superior that's when you talk about confidence you're talking about feeling superior in a way to be able to use your gifts nobody's saying at least not me that he's anthony bennett that he's a guy who was overdrafted no. that he can't play or anything like that i still think he's got some gifts that need to be worked out but if you go in the g league which plays the same way that golden state plays the same style the same systems and everything else and you find a way to be successful there without the glare of playing in the NBA, without the glare of Stephen Curry banging on you to come set this screen right now, or Draymond Green and everything else and all these other struggles, he can find something there. He can find, I think there is definitely something to positive reinforcement. Golden State has a lot of issues that have nothing to actually do with James Wiseman. The oh, problem is... The problem okay. is all of those other things have a level of sweat equity and league equity that James Wiseman does not. So he's going to be the easy culprit when you say, man, they're struggling. They're minus you know, X amount of points per possessions while he's in the game. He's a problem. Very easier to bang on him than it is to bang on Draymond Green or to bang on Klay Thompson. The only player yep. that's playing there worth a damn is Steph Curry. Everybody else is subject to type to all types of criticism right now. Oh, well, stay right there, though. Stay right there, fellas. I want to get you in. This is the last thing, and then we'll go. But uh, you talk about the number of issues with Golden State. I want to hear it because uh, I, I kind of think one of them, I put this in the feed the other day, and, I, and I, uh, we didn't get to it, is one of the issues Clay Thompson in the starting lineup over Jordan Poole? Is that one I, of the issues? I think... <laughs> I think really the conversation needs to be about Clay Thompson period is like it, he is a guy who's making $40 million this year and $40 million next year. He's shooting 35% from the floor, but more importantly, he's being picked apart, picked on defensively in late game situations because he can't move laterally like he used to. He's not that lockdown defender that he used to. And in his mind, he is that guy. 
And that's what's so frustrating, I think, for Clay Thompson is he, in his mind, believes that he is still that guy, but his body, his legs are not reciprocating. And to me, I think that's what a lot of this issue is. Clay Thompson is Teflon. He is beloved in the media. Like when you talk to that dude, you feel good as a human being a lot of times when you're when you're just when you're in a locker room or you're just he's just great. And so to be hard on Clay Thompson, it's not it doesn't feel great, but everyone needs to be held accountable, including Kevin Durant. And that is the same thing for Clay Thompson. He's a guy who's making $80 million over the next two seasons using a lot of the cap. And he's just not playing up to his abilities as a three and D guy that he used to be. And so it's, it's a harsh reality. This is what happens when father time comes through. And I just hope he has another gear. Cause I love when Clay Thompson gets hot. I love when he's playing at a 25 points per game clip, but they need him to be that. I'm not so sure he's got that left in the tank. I, I think when you consider the fact that he doesn't play basketball in the off season, now he doesn't play basketball in the off season because of, uh, the the second injury, the the Achilles injury that he suffered, I think it was on draft night in, in 2020. So he's easing himself into the season on top of playing deep into June last season. You don't know if how type of what type of basketball shape that he's in. And usually, usually you wind up hearing about guys being better in that second year after coming back from a, a de- devastating injury rather than that first year. So you can give them a little bit of real estate, a little bit of grace. You're just hoping that that grace and that real estate pays off because if he's not a great starter on this unit playing next to Stephen Curry, I don't see how he's a great second unit guy where there isn't a Stephen Curry out there to draw a lot of attention on the ball and he can roam off the ball. Mm. It's going to be, have to be something that he works to remember. Mm. He, he played, he went two years without playing and they paid him max prices. Not to say that they expect that out of him now, but when you talk about teams having loyalty and everything else, if you start hearing his name on the back end of, hey, are we going to trade him or what are we going to do with him, you keep that front end in mind too. Yeah, it's a good point. Hey, fellas, I can talk to you guys all day, uh, but we got to go. We got to pay some bills. Loyalty, loyalty, Vinny Goodwill. You know, I got it. We got to pay bills. They paid us. We got to pay them. We got to go back and forth. You know how it goes. But Tom Haberstro, always good to talk to you, brother. Hope we can uh, check in with you soon. Got to get that green, that AC green, right? (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Gotta get that AC green! Vinny, I just need an excuse... (laughs) To see this again. Oh, Justin Jefferson. What are you doing? What are you doing? Catching that football? Look at the people. Now that now that I've seen the catch many times, Vinny, I don't just watch the catch. I watch the other players. I watch somebody in the crowd with their mouth open. <laughs> like what? Like, like I'm, I'm looking at the people in the crowd. Coach jumping up and down like, oh, it's Justin. He's got it. Ooh. Uh what does this catch mean to you, Vinny? Well, beyond saving Kirk Cousins' ass again and making yeah, a terrible throw. A extra mid terrible. quarterback look, you know, because we gotta praise the quarterbacks in the NFL and we gotta say, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings are a Super Bowl, you know, type of team. You know, look, they got Kirk Cousins back there. That don't that 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 don't add up for me. You know what I mean? It adds up for me because you got Justin Jefferson. But and it's not the catch; it's, it's the body of work. It's the body of work for me that brings me to ask you this question. Now you got the Cooper Cups, who's been yeah. killing it for my fantasy team until you know he just got hurt, and Jamar Chase, who helped me win a fantasy title last year. <laughs> and, and you got and you got Jalen Waddle. And you got Tariq Hill, and you got Devontae Adams, and, and you still got a decent amount of receivers. 
to me, it feels like this guy is the guy in the NFL. With all due respect to all of it, with all due respect to Tyreek Hill and how fast he is and everything else, it feels like yeah. Justin Jefferson can do everything you need him to do. And it feels like he is the only guy I feel like maybe Chase because he's younger and he's just as big and, he, and he's got the hands and everything else. But it feels to me like Justin Jefferson is that guy. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm basketball guy. Tell basketball guy to shut the hell up. No, 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 no. But it feels to me no, no. like he's no. the guy. Especially you're considering he got wrong. Kirk Cousins throwing the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not wrong. The problem is, you know, I, I need some. I, see, I want a title that will last longer than six months or a year. Because uh, let's say he is the best receiver in football. That title just doesn't last that long for me. So I'll give it, you know, give it to him. But I can just tell you, Vinny, it wasn't even last year. It wasn't last calendar year. It was last season, but it was 2022. And Gary Carter, you may remember this. There was a graphic on this very screen that we're looking at. And it said, pick one. And the receivers in that, in that graphic, Justin Jefferson wasn't in there. He should have been. Jamar Chase. The Debo Samuel was in there. Cooper Cup. Tyreek Hill said, pick one. Who's your, who's your wide receiver one? Okay. And now Cooper Cup's hurt. Jamar Chase is hurt. Tyreek Hill still getting it done. Debo Samuel is on his second quarterback of the year. So maybe, and, and he had an injury that he just came back from. So yeah, if I give it to Justin Jefferson now, will it last until this time next year? It's that fickle, right? I'll give you another spot where it's also really, really fickle. It's really Best fickle at quarterback. No, it's no, oh, it's, it's, we can keep it here. It's really fickle at quarterback. Dan Marino, second year in the NFL, no one going in the way back time machine. He had that great, okay. he had that great, great year. Never reached those heights again, right? Aaron Rodgers, I think the greatest quarterback to ever throw the football. His best year was in 2011, and he won. He's won other MVPs, but he's never reached that level, that height. I'm not hating on Tom Brady, but I can't remember other than that one Randy Moss year where he threw for 50 touchdowns, where he looked far and away like the best quarterback in the NFL. It kind of bounces around a little bit in that position too, and maybe this is the Detroit bias in me. But the only time I remember. You know, a guy being the greatest at his position for a very, very long time was Barry Sanders running the football for the Lions because I never thought anybody else was better. Well, let me ask you. Okay, and, and maybe we're gonna we can make the we can make the title last longer by answering this question. We're gonna do this okay. here on Brother from Another before we say goodbye. Best receiver in football. The person who gets the best receiver in football is gonna be since it's a passing league. It's got to be a guy when he's out there. Not only are you throwing to him as much as possible, but teams say your team can win. Not oh, not that he can put up numbers. Your team is going to win games. Almost like we got to talk about a wide receiver the same way we talk about quarterbacks. Your team is going to win because of that guy. And I got to be honest, I look at Ty- I look at Tyreek Hill that way. Only reason. Miami scares me now is because of Tyreek Hill. If you take Tyreek Hill out and you say it's Waddle and you know, and Tua has got this, these affirmations from Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel has made him feel great and has restored his soul and all this stuff. Great. Did Mike McDaniel restore some shower water? Has he done that in the past? (laughs) You back to that. You back to that. You back to that. Anyway, I think he has. Okay. Uh, he's, he, I think he's been around some people and be like, you know what, man? Now that we've been together for a long time, I feel like we can be honest with one another. His wife should have done that. Get your nasty Bruh. ass in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't showered today? You ain't showered this week? What's wrong with you? Go, go back hey, in the, you go back in the bathroom, man. Go back. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now everybody, everybody knows what that's about. Okay. When it's when somebody really loves you, 
you come out, you weren't in there long enough, or you come out and you still stink, <laughs> go back in. <laughs> get back in there. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to derail, derail your train of thought. I genuinely apologize. No, I, no it's funny. I just think about him taking his nasty, funky ass in the shower. Yeah. And, and just for those who don't know, for those who, who, who are who are not regular listeners and viewers, <laughs> Vinny, Vinny, uh, he, he was just alarmed. Vinny was alarmed that, that Mike McDaniel, what was it like? He didn't want to shower or what, what was it saying? He showered like once that, every four days. I was bewildered. I was, come on. I was shocked. Ain't no excuse for that. Unless you're like, is he out in the wilderness or something? Was this like some camping and you live in And you live in hot-ass Miami. You don't have time to not be taking no showers when it's a hundred degrees on a like a yeah. good day, and that's a that ain't no dry heat either. That's a hot, smelly, funky ninety five degrees. Get your ass in the shower. He should be on a. You know what? He should be on a two of That's why Tyreek Hill runs so fast. That's why he runs so fast <laughs> to get away from his coach. Just trying to get away from him. He's like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. He should be on a two a day <laughs> schedule, really, in Miami. Right? Exactly. Yes. I mean, yes. You shower you in the morning. And then by four, by four or five o'clock, you, you need feel another sticky. one. You Let oh, alone always. any other activity you might partake in. Get it. Go take another shower. Get in there. I don't think we've established anything except we need showers. <laughs> <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.